Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we're here under the big top once again for Derped Under Perstick. <laughs> we should just change the name of the show. T E R P E D? Yeah, Terped. Terped Under Perstick. P E R S T I C. And we'll get no new listeners because we'll <laughs> be like, what the That means hell nothing is this? to no one. No. Yeah. We'll just have a slowly dwindling community. <laughs> I like the sound of this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First on the preamble ramble, VinciCon 2021. Yeah. What are we talking about with this? You know, it's, it's two weeks away. It is. It is. And Scott, this is going to uh, get into another preamble ramble topic. Uh, Scott did some work here. I did some work. So I volunteered to 3D design uh, and print out the... Uh, the plinth that each of us is going to use. And mm-hmm. the idea is that it's a pie slice. If you're an eye listener, you can't really see this. It's a pie slice that make, uh, when all four are put together, make up uh, a half circle. Um, I don't know why this one's so much taller. Um, and so I had to design them, uh, put little recesses in them for the bases, and also I uh, put little holes in them for magnets so they'll click together nicely. Click. Click together. Um, but, you know, it's it was incredibly empowering um, to uh, create something from nothing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's one thing to 3D print something. That's pretty cool. But to design something that did not previously exist and then to print it is really cool. I really dig that. Yeah. Like, maybe something out there in the world like this existed before, but we weren't ever aware of it. So we can just say, yeah, you made something that's never been made in the face of the earth ever. Yes. And I also conquered my fear of 3D software because I've dabbled a couple times in the past and it's just always just like, I'm always so confused whenever I get in there. Um, I don't know why. I think I have a problem with like 3D visualization and like 3D space and stuff like that. Mm. I remember I took all four calcs um, in college because I had to for engineering. God. And I remember the one I struggled with the most was uh, integrating a 3d volume um i i struggled so much with that it wasn't diffuse it wasn't the it wasn't one and two for some it's three for some it's four calc four calc three but yeah that one always killed me and eventually i don't know i guess it just came down to having the right software to do the thing i wanted to do mm-hmm. um but yeah i got it done and it feels good nice yeah, I was a dumb architect major, so I only had to take Calc 1 and 2. Yeah. But yeah. I actually you ended up taking three, three years of Calc because I had to take pre-Calc because my tiny-ass high school didn't have calculus. <laughs> so I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, God, I hated that class so much. And it was at like 7.30 that in the morning. Sucks. It was the only ones that I could get into. And I couldn't understand a word the dude was saying. His accent was so thick. Oh, my gosh. I can distinctly remember hating that time of my life. <laughs> I, I have a similar story. I took uh, calc in high school, uh, calculus BC, and it's supposed to count. Oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's supposed to count for calc one and two uh, when, if I pass the AP test. And I got a three on the AP test, which is like a C. A, that's a pass. I know. And for the first college I went to, which was UW Parkside, they were like, that's cool. You can take Calc 3. So the, I took Calc 3 as a freshman in college at UW Parkside. And then I went to UW Milwaukee. And they're like, a 3 does not count for passing Calc 2, but it does count for passing Calc 1. So my transcript said, you have passed Calc 1 and Calc 3 from UWP, <laughs> but now you have to say Calc 2 again. And I was like, what the 
fuck? <laughs> oh, so that was really annoying. You got to love bureaucracy. This is a bullshit inheriting the system. You just want more money from me to take a class. Oh, my god. see this crap. Oh, my God. Needless to say, I was very good at Calc 2. <laughs> and that brings us to Vinci Khan. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, we're under two weeks away till the, the great Ohio trek. You know, I know. Was that a 10-hour drive? Yeah. Yep. No yep. brakes, right? No gas, no brakes. <laughs> I mean, all gas. All gas, no brakes. All gas, no brakes. No gas, we wouldn't get very far. No, not. I'm going to get up the butt crack of dawn to drive up here oh, man, to start yeah. that drive. You said you're going to be here at five. I mean, I said that, but <laughs> I do want to. God. Pack the car up the night before. Oh, yeah, obviously. Wake up at 3.30, leave by 3.40. Yeah, but yeah my, my plan is to be out the door five minutes or less after I wake up. Okay. So I want that extra five minutes of sleep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It it won't take me. You know, it take me about an hour and fifteen. Should be no traffic, but I'm gonna be more likely to get pulled over. So if I arrive here pissed off, that's why. Okay. <laughs> we'll be fine. Um, but I, I know uh, Sam's gonna make us a wonderful lunch, so oh, that'll be a break. Yes. Also, if history's any indication, as soon as you get here, you're gonna need to poop. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, we got to add that. Good in. point. <laughs> like, I needed to remind you. Like, your body wouldn't have told you as soon as you got here. Yeah, it would have told me, but I wouldn't have thought of that. I want to add that into the mental calculation. <laughs> that, that, that's in the schedule now. Right? I should have taken those extra two calc classes, so <laughs> there I knew. It is. There it is. That didn't, didn't account for poop time. Fail. No three out of five for you, buddy. <laughs> uh, so, Vinci V uh, has been having dreams. Yeah. I mean, I've been having dreams too. Everyone has dreams every night, I, I, I think. Yeah. I've been dreaming about this. And so I shared um, my dream just this week that I had a dream that somehow you and Sam both got to Vince's, but I couldn't get there till Sunday, like <laughs> noon Sunday, and we leave Monday. And you guys had already done all the painting. And there, you, you guys were like, there's not really time for you to paint. Oh, <laughs> and that was the old dream, and I'm like, fuck. So I shared that, <laughs> I shared that with you guys. I'm like, God, this, this is, this is a nightmare. This is no good. Yeah. And then Vince said that uh, he had a dream that uh, he was a Tau living on a Tau planet. Yeah. And these other aliens, yeah, uh, were enslaving them. Yes. But he got out of prison because he was a really good cook that used miniature paints to season the food. Man, I must have not read the whole thing because I don't remember the miniature paint seasoning the food part. Oh, it was there. Okay. It's, he is batshit crazy. Oh, <laughs> I wonder if you can remember what paints he used to season what. He said he remembered one. It was, uh, was it the Kalahari Desert. No, yeah. He oh, used, it's something like that. Yeah, he's yeah, Kalahari yeah. Desert or something to season the chicken, and Dude. he was most proud of that. <laughs> I think we need to make Come a skit of Vince's dream. I mean... Yeah, who's going to play the Tau? Who's going to play the alien overlords? We'll just get goobs and we'll like paint his face teal. Okay, I got that. Yeah. We can just get some Krylon primer. Yeah. And just say... Close your eyes, Vin. Close, close your eyes, goobs. <laughs> close your eyes and uh, don't breathe. Oh, God. <laughs> like for the next three hours. <laughs> I mean, no, just, just for like 10 seconds while we hose you down. And yeah. then you have to run and then breathe because then all the fumes will be behind you. Yeah, he'll just be constantly running. Yeah, just run. Don't ever stop moving. <laughs> You have to be a shark for the scene. So that's part of our preamble ramble. <laughs> Anything else in there? Oh, yeah. What's on the table here? 
Oh, that and you were th- you're 3D printing again, but I guess we oh, kind of... Yeah, we did that. We did that. We I see- got my wife kind of involved this time because, like, I can't really, like, move the camera while I have gloves on and I have, like, liquid resin all over. That shit stays... It smells and it, like, stays wherever you touch. Yeah, and so... I got her involved so, like, so she could move the camera around and stuff. And she was like, I don't like this stuff. And I was just like, because it's, it's, I mean, it's not good. It's yeah. bad for you. Yeah. So she was there. She was being the health police, making me put like a mask on and stuff like that. That's good. Speaking of, did the air purifier solve the smell problem if you print overnight? I haven't printed yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't done that. It randomly, it's been working great other than like one random day. It just went into hyper mode. Like the light went red. And it sounded like a jet engine in there. And he was like, whoa. I'm like, what did I do? I've been in here this whole time. <laughs> you, uh, I didn't toot toot. I was like, is your a foul one? Hold on. Do you just run it constantly? I have it in its eco mode where it, oh, it, okay. it's got a sensor. And yeah. so it'll sense when there's impurities and then just work accordingly. Have you done the fart thing yet? I haven't done it yet. I just... Ripped a silent one right now, though, so I wish I should have ran over to yours. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. All right. I don't want to be painted. No, I want to share this. Oh, share that. Yes, my please. order. My order came in. Is that it? No, this isn't it. This is like a fifth of it. This is like 20% of it. Why didn't you bring the whole thing, John? Because it was a giant box. I wanted to see it all. And so all my 40K stuff came, other than I ordered two Heldrakes and only one got delivered. So I contacted them and they're like, whoops. Uh, we'll send that again. So I don't have that one yet, but I brought this stuff because on the live stream today, I'm going to let the viewers pick what I assemble. <laughs> so they get a choice, but then they have to be bored with me assembling. They get the a stream. choice about how they want to be bored. <laughs> right. Okay. This These things, I honestly don't like those things. They look a little bit silly to me. Those are the Umbra Hulk models, right? Uh, Ambots. And, oh, God. Sorry. Ambots. Yeah. From I'm going to use them down. as mutilators for the That's Lawrence. good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. But what about this? I'm like, I don't like that their faces are bugs, but look at that. What if I took the pinchers and added them up like bat robot bat ears? I think you would struggle with it looking kind of like a bunny. <laughs> That's also funny. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think the little pinchers are a little, too, maybe too, I don't know if they're too long or not wide enough or something. Yeah. That, that's a cool idea, though. It's, I, I think it's getting, it's getting closer to where I, where it'll work. Also, a head swap isn't the worst idea yeah. uh, with some kind of like mutilated, gross looking head or something like that. Yeah. Cool. I do have the, um, uh, start collecting box of flesh eater quartz and it's got the crypt horrors slash vargeist in there yes and i'm going to be using the vargeist head obviously oh yeah. bat people for what chaos spawn I, oh nice okay yeah um but i then the ghoul heads because they're bigger heads mm-hmm. yeah would probably be the right size for this wait the ghoul heads you mean you mean the, the uh crypt the crypt horrors horror the, there's yeah there's two units the crypt horror and the what's the other one called crypt ghoul it's the one with the wings, and then the one without the wings. Vargeist is the one. No, the Vargeist is the bat, the vampire. Then the oh. Cryptora kit can make two things. That and what else? What's the last thing you can make? <laughs> uh, well, there's like a couple of them. There's, there's, it doesn't even matter. Why are we even talking about this? It matters. <laughs> I want to know. All right. You because, keep talking about fla- this. because they can use the ones where they use the batty faces and regular arms. They can use batty faces and wing arms. They can use ghoul faces and regular arms but i don't know i don't think is there really a bat face in there 
There thought, is. Yeah, okay. there is. Okay. okay. And it looks like a, it's got like the bat's nose like this. I'm losing it. I can't remember this right now. Okay, you got the Vargas, you have the, the Crypt Haunter, uh, the Crypt Infernal. Okay, you're still doing that right now? Yeah. Crypt Flayers. Crypt Flayers and Crypt Horrors. Crypt Flayers. Okay. Opening this AOS app has reminded me that I oh, I played another game of Age of Sigmar. Oh, you did? But talk about this still. I want to hear about this. I, the only last thing I had to say about this was these are big, fat, chunky boys. Yeah, I like them. And I, I open up the sprue, and it's all tiny pieces. Yep. That is going to be a bitch to put together. Yep. So there's that. That's all I have to say. Tell me about your Age of Sigmar game. Because this was not against Danny Boy, was it? No, it was against Matt, a uh, local friend of mine. Uh, Matty Ice. Yeah. <laughs> Matty Smokes. Matty Smokes. <laughs> Matt brought over his... Uh, Night Haunts. Night Haunt army. Um, sorry, I was wrestling with a burp in my throat. Mm. I was like, stay down. Stay down! Um, and uh, yeah, he hasn't played a lot of Age Sigmar. He liked the, the Night Haunts. Um, so he bought them because it looked cool. And he was kind of just running whatever he had. So it wasn't like a super competitive list. And I uh, I read through all of his his rules. Not his rules, but his stat lines the night the night prior. Mm-hmm. Um and I kind of I kind of surmised what I thought Night Haunt was good at. And I was like, if I just run at him with all my vampires, I don't think he can stop me. And that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it nice when a strategy plays out the way you envision? <laughs> and not like a complicated strategy. No. <laughs> like I didn't do anything necessarily special. Like I picked my targets maybe maybe wisely. That's good. The things that most scare you. Because yeah. it's got nothing in the army that can really uphold against a barrage of attacks. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. I oh, mean, the the no rend is super annoying. It is. Um it, it makes, took me a little bit longer to chew through some units than I thought it would have. Yeah. It's a feel bad for your three rend dragon bites. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, and that's why like the big value again, and when you and when you say he just doesn't uh he just plays what he has and stuff. Yeah. Um that's rough especially for a night haunt player because what is really nasty is packs of 40 chain rasps that you've got to get through to get to his stuff um and yeah and you could get two blocks of 40 easy in in night haunt lists and it's just like that's, that's when the no rend thing is like oh, you need a lot of like a ton of attacks that do two damage yeah. do really well against that but there's not a lot of units that do that um that aren't really high costed because it also comes with rend or some other thing yeah so yeah, but yeah, I I mean I've played Night Haunt. They're they're a tough um they're they're an army that looks like on its surface isn't really strategic, but it really if you want to be good with them, it really is. So when I asked you, did he put anything in the underworld? And you said no. no. I'm like, uh oh, this is gonna go bad for him. Yeah, yeah. Cause then he can pop those pop those puppies out and where it's objectives or contest objectives. Um, man, a forty man unit of chain rasps coming out of nowhere. He's like Oh, you you left that uh, you left that uh, objective unguarded. Now it's mine forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Holy cow, that's brutal. Yeah, and um, and like the offensive units, like his spears, um, you know, you he can pop them up into a weak point or something that you're trying to protect, um, and re-roll his charge if he needs to and get mm-hmm. a nine plus. That's why I say you usually use cogs because cogs give you plus one to your charge rolls to really ensure that when you pop them up where your flank or whatever. What is cogs? Cogs is an endless spell. Okay. Okay. It allows you to control time mm. 
And you can either slow down time or speed up time. If you speed up time, all units in the game, yours and your opponents, get plus one to move and plus one to charge rolls. All units. Yes. So you cast it on your turn, then you take your moves, then you take your charges. So you get the initial benefit of it. And usually when you're doing that, things are in anyway, so then the opponent doesn't really um, benefit as much. And then the next turn, you can be like, oh, I'm going to slow down time. Now the caster that's nearest it gets to cast an extra spell. Mm. Yeah, so it's a really nice thing because there's Rikor, the Grim Hauler, the dude on the big winged horse. Yeah, he had that guy. That guy guy snuffs candles out. Yeah, yeah. So you use him to snuff a candle, damage himself to get a plus to cast on the cog. So he ensures cogs goes off Uh, and then he rips shit up. So So yeah, Maddie Matt, now you know how to beat Scott. I mean, I couldn't contest a 40-man unit chain rafts. Yeah, um, buy more chain rats. <laughs> <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Yes. Um, I did get to finally use the command ability, Fist of Nagash, which I was very happy about, which is with uh, Vordry, you can target another hero to pile in and attack again in the command oh. phase. So I targeted my other vampire oh. and just did it again. It, See, was, it was brutal. That's how you always draw it up to work. <laughs> yeah. God, it feels keep, good. Keep, keep it them close by, yeah, yeah, so they can do that. It's kind of tough too because usually you you don't want them too close to each other because that means they're, you know, not likely to to do a lot of damage to separate things. Yeah. But when that happens, like, oh, you put two nice things next to each other. I think I'll kill them both. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Feels good. It feels good. That does feel good. Played All some right. Underworlds too, and that was fun too. Oh, you did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys had a whole gaming day. We did. It was great. Did you play your? Elfie boys again? I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that what they're called? Kernothi, yeah. Uh, Scaith's Wild Hunt. And who did he play? He played, uh, I have a copy of the Sepulchral Guard. Mm. So he played them. Which are, those are cool. Had he played before? No, I taught him the game. Oh, nice. Yeah. Catch on pretty quick? Definitely. You realize that those skeletons serve to die? <laughs> yeah, I know. They're supposed to die and then right. come back. <laughs> they are a tricky one. That's that's the uh, army or the warband that I used that I won two local tournaments. With. Oh, all right. Yeah, because everyone's like, oh, this is a sweet game. I run in and I freaking kill you. And I'm like, yeah, okay, kill me. I'm going to bring him back over here. Yeah. Oh, I got all my points. Yeah, I win. Yeah. Like, what? You didn't kill any of my dudes. I'm like, I know. <laughs> doesn't matter. I'm just holding objectives. I'm just playing the game, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, just like 40K and Age of Sigmar. It's not a game where you kill stuff. It's a game of objectives. Right. And we so quickly start seeing red, and we we forget that. So. Okay, what did you paint, Scott? Preamble ramble. Uh, I did some hobbying. I uh, converted the Inquisitor Grave Facts for our upcoming Vinicon. Um, I basically took her and did an arm swap, a little bit of a conversion on the shoulder, so I could angle it up, and I gave her the book um, that is in the. Heavy support box from the Sisters of Battle. The, the nice. uh, I forget what it's called, but it's the it's the box of all the big guns. Can you freehand coloring book pages on the open pages? Because that would be hilarious. Yeah, it definitely can. Yeah. Wait, hold on. No, no, no. That's that would be hard to. If <laughs> <laughs> I just say yes immediately, <laughs> um, that I should do something goofy. But no, it's it's too. I modeled it so it was angled down too much. It should be like an Easter egg where if you flip the model around and look, then you can see it, but not sure. you can't see it in the front on. What, know, what if the what if the page that's down that they can see easily it you know looks normal, and then the page that's up here at the angle that you don't see as easily mm. just put like a dick butt there. <laughs> 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 yes. 
Yeah, so I converted her. That was a lot of fun. And I freehanded on my Blood Knight banner, um, which was the last real big amount of work that I had to do on this unit. Now, the rest of it is just making sure I paint all the small little details, like the random hooks in the horse's tail feathers and stuff like that. Are they done other than the bases? Um, I think I need to paint these two. I'm sorry, I need to go over details on these two. These three are done. And then their bases. So obviously you can see the banner oh, is sure. missing some bone stuff and the staff isn't painted yet. But yeah, they're, they're, I would say they are 95% done. You think you can get them done on the stream today? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that. All right. All right. Yeah, you got some good hobby stuff in. I did, yeah. Considering you're doing five videos in a week like a damn madman. Yeah, dude. That I don't know if I want to talk about that, but that, that's been rough. Um, doing a normal work day and then editing in the evening until like 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. um, every single day. I don't know how like Casey Neistat did it for 300 days in a row. I think he figured out like content that could be filmed easily. Obviously, because you have some days that you kind of phone in, right? Sure. So I have like a he'll have like a, like a mailbag day. Yeah. Where he's like opening mail from people, and that, that that's like five minutes of content. That's like half your video done in like however long it takes you to open mail. Um, but yeah, like this is it's did rough. He edit it all himself. Yeah, which is crazy because like he's like. A wealthy person, I know, but he he edits all his own videos. I think. I can, I mean, I can see that a struggle to want to remove that from part of your workflow because it's so ingrained with what your product is, and your product is your brand and the like, editing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for not for every channel and that kind of thing, but for a lot of people, it you know it's it's very much tied to the core of of your brand so it's hard to release that but i couldn't imagine doing that no, um god no that's crazy i mean you're so efficient in your editing because you have such a wide variety of shots in the videos for this week that i'm just like when i watch them i do two things one i watch it to enjoy it and two i do all this mental math of like there's like 17 different shot locations in 10 minutes and then of a half dozen to a dozen different things you're doing within that one scene. And like the actual filming part, I mean, there is a lot of behind the scenes breakdown and move around, but you've got your cool little hand rig to help with some of that. But mm -hmm. the actual editing stuff, I'm just like, man, that there's no shortcuts in just putting in the time to make it tell the full day story in a succinct way. And so yeah. I was like, God, that, I mean, you're fast at it, but even so, I'm like, that's still a lot of hours. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it, it takes a while. But I mean, at, there isn't anything too fancy going on in the editing. It's just lining clips up and making them sufficiently short or long, right? I'm not like doing like crazy visual effects or any kind of like weird right. stuff like that. So yeah, but yeah, you kind of, you know, I think five days of it is fine, but I can't do any more than that. I like the idea of taking a break in January and then doing this in the first week of February, like every year. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, it's like... Uh it's like when your truck's been sitting all winter and you haven't used it, <laughs> and you gotta pull a little, you gotta pull a little of that little engine injector in the old gas tank <laughs> yeah, there. That's what it is. You know, yeah. you gotta get it ripping. <laughs> you get a start with a big old round, oh, full-on Minnesota right now, boy. Right. All right. What you paint? I did quite a bit of hobby in this week. Hell Ta yeah! Talking about uh, things. Um, <laughs> Uh, building building that was what i wanted to go with so i built a couple things i i got the what's his name harkon the world eater is a named raptor dude yeah 
and so I got him. I'm going to use him as a chaos lord with a backpack. Jet, six jetpack? spear? Yeah, and I okay. cut that arm off. Oh. Because oh, he's, okay. he's uh, wielding the black talon, which Ooh. is it, it's an artifact that if your uh, chaos lord is dual wielding warp talons or the big claws, lightning claws, that's it. Dual wielding lightning claws, he can equip the black talon. And the black talon just makes him scary af okay so nice. i chopped off the spear arm i took one of the spear things from these warp talents but they had the same amount of fingers because some of these dudes have five fingers some of them have four and some of them have three i don't know why but uh so i had him instead of holding the spear like this he's got his second claw up like this oh yeah so little conversion so i got him built uh, just because I got all this stuff, and I was like, I want to play with my new toys. <laughs> play with my new toys. I'm going to build one thing. And so I built that. I've been working on my conversion for Vinci Khan. Yeah, which you probably want to keep private. Yep, I'm not going to share any more than that. But yeah. that's been a fair amount of work. But we should say why you want to keep it private. We're not just being like weirdos. Yeah, because just like last Tendi Khan, Vinci V Khan, <laughs> um, we are going to show once the... The whole diorama is complete with all four pie pieces. We are going to share that with all of you and all of the community across the Instagram and the YouTubes and the what and the pudding. And <laughs> and we're going to have you guys uh, decide who painted what. Now, Scott already spilled the beans on his. So you're going to forget what he just shared earlier. Yes. Uh, but you are going to guess. And if you get it right, uh, you get uh, four John Bucks. Oh. Yeah, I'm not stingy with the John Bucks. Coveted John Bucks. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so I did that. And then painting. I painted two things since our last episode. One, immediately following our last episode, I speed painted that Necromancer you did? Uh, on the Twitch stream in about, I don't know, two and a half hours, three hours? Yeah. Made him you were a, done before the stream was over. Yeah, I was I was looking for stuff to do. Yeah. And so I, that way I just grabbed some fake blood splatter and I hit... <laughs> hit them and covered them in blood it was turned out great it was effective it was effective you know i didn't have to bring out an airbrush and like dip it in and like squirt it i just <laughs> hit the base with a brush with the fake blood effect on it and it looks like arterial spray yes so i painted him i felt really good um and that's something it's like i wish more people did on twitch streams for mini painting i wish in this three hour stream you painted a whole model yeah. So Scott, you need to start doing that. It's a good idea. You know, it's I mean that that's only one part of miniature painting, right? Right. So, you know, you want to show all the parts. Yeah. But that 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 is probably the most irritating thing to see. Right. And this maybe it's not every time, but maybe it's like, oh, once a week or once a month or whatever, once every two weeks. I'm just gonna do this one for fun, start to finish, and then Use that maybe as a palate cleanser between bigger projects. Yeah. That's one reason why I really like Sam's Twitch stream so much yeah. is because Sam is so fast and so good yeah. that it was just like the most satisfying thing to see how quickly he can get things done and still look amazing. So Yeah. See, I wish John didn't start his own YouTube channel and I employed him to stream on my Twitch stream. But I can't pay John enough money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also, you, you want to be master of your own destiny, too. You, I mean, you can pay me enough money. <laughs> you choose not to. Well, if I paid you enough money, Crusher would not have dog food. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Crusher. I'll share my pizza with him. <laughs> <laughs> he gets the crusts. Yeah, dude, we have a we have a deal worked out. <laughs> we have a system. Yeah, we have a system. A crush-based 
crust system <laughs> the crushy crust dude that's the that'd be the ultimate dream is just to hire all of my friends to like make content on like one hobby conglomerate channel and they just do all the things they're good at and i make all the money <laughs> this is so brilliant why why hasn't anyone done it <laughs> i mean i'm sure someone has in a different vertical yeah yeah oh i'm sure there's plenty of people working for peanuts yeah. okay ma- first of all i wouldn't pay them peanuts okay so just I can feel the angry rant comment coming right now. <laughs> We're joking because he'd never do it. Um, <laughs> mostly. And then finally, I painted a 40, 45, 54 millimeter metal Inquisitor Eisenhorn for okay. a video that launched today as of this recording or last Friday, if you're watching it in the future, uh, which you will be because you can't watch this right now. Yeah. That'd That'd be would be crazy. Yeah, that would be pretty crazy. Yeah, what if we live streamed the recording of Trapped Under Plastic? Which we want to do. We want to do. Hold on, but it's already out right now, right? Yeah, the video is out. So at no point would they have, with no point would this recording have come out before your video published. No, I was referring to when they're watching this video. Okay. They'll be watching this video in the future. But it's not the future right now when you're listening to it. Okay. It's the present. Okay. I get it. And that video came out in the past. Yes. But today it was the present. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Eisenhorn Inquisitor model. Yeah. So I looked up and this dude, these Inquisitor models, apparently is part of like a fart of a... Fart of a... It was fart of a Inquisitor RPG? Yeah. Do you know if you just farted it out one day? Yeah. I was like, pooped it out. (laughs) Um, And there's like a series of these models and they're super rare to come across. Yes. Like official ones when i was digging to find them i found all sorts of wonderful russian sites where i could purchase them <laughs> yes. um but i'm sure they're all in resin and not in metal yeah um but on ebay if you can find them they're pretty hard to come by and they're not cheap so i immediately stole it from goobs and uh and we did a little swap he stole a rare miniature of mine Which as one? well a oh. limited edition kairos model from confrontation yeah only three thousand were ever made yeah okay not real partha confrontation is um rackham isn't rackham and real partha and is that all the same thing no all right today i learned yeah real partha is the old 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 school D &D models like the original fantasy miniatures ever made was all real partha they go way way back way before games workshop in fact games workshop um was when it originally started yep. into the miniatures business worked for them to create miniatures for D for D. yeah so and it's nothing to do with with my limited edition model that you know i learned that from uh guy's video midwinter mindy's video yeah. on gw yeah that was a super cool video you should watch it i'll have it into the show notes along with everything else we're talking about today like twitches like sam's twitch and stuff like that yeah but um I lost my train of thought now. Yeah, so we we did a swap, a miniature swap, uh, fall of 2019. Damn. You remember when he came and visited? Yep. We did the podcast. He was here for the podcast, too. yeah. Too. Hung out. Pre-COVID. Yeah, this was long before COVID. And, of course, when Goobs posted a, the picture of us sitting on a park bench on Instagram, in the first three comments, responses were, you need to be 1.5 meters apart. And so... Goobs. Uh, uh, Goobs said to say that this the, he should have actually just like photoshopped in this photo was taken in 2019 in the actual picture. <laughs> um, 
So like, before my channel ever existed, yeah. Uh, I damn. I took. I, I we shot a, a small skit too, before I knew how to use my camera. No audio or whatever, because my purpose back then was to have it with a uh, soundtrack over it of spy music, and uh, it, that's how it. That's how it is. So uh, I painted him in one day. Um, it's the video is on those those models that you you kind of are waiting to get good at, or you're waiting till you can commit a whole bunch of hours to paint them. Um, you should just paint them. Yeah. And so that's kind of, and yeah. you know, will I ruin this model by speed painting it? Will I not uh, appreciate as much or whatever? And yeah. So that was fun. So Great topic, uh, definitely relatable. Yeah. So hopefully it does well. Um, okay. So you've painted a 54 millimeter model in one day. Mm-hmm. Now you need to paint the 32 millimeter version of Isahorn in 54 days. <laughs> no <laughs> okay well, I, I would like struggle to be like okay i gotta put do? paint on today i'd wait till day 53 and then just start painting <laughs> technically from when i said i was gonna do it until i finished it it was 54 days well that's cool that yeah. is out right now and you can watch it if you want yeah so that's what i painted that's what you painted that's what we all painted the main topic for today is miniature painting nemesis or nemesis or nemesis if you just have oh, one right hold on actually i think the plural of nemesis is nemesis multiple nemesis i think it's just nemesis we'll have to look it up when we title this video right but yeah it's just stuff I you struggle right with now. in the hobby uh techniques mostly is what we're going to be talking about today but also tools and other things that I always just kind of like maybe you dread to use or you know are the most efficient ways to do something, but you avoid it because you don't like using them. Stuff like that. So I think John and I might have some similar ones, some different ones. But yeah, let's talk about some painting nemesi. <laughs> it's nemeses. Nemeses. Okay. Nemeses. So we, we got it. That All right. Question's been answered. Yeah. And if, if you have nemeses that we don't cover i would like to you to share them in the show notes or the comments section or however the internet works <laughs> what's going on buddy i just hit a like a weird wall i'm feeling kind of loopy you need tendies ah uh, that's it it's not quite tendy o'clock no, but it's not tendy time <laughs> dude i speaking of tendies let's just um so i've been on this uh, health kick lately okay Lately, uh, I thought you were always on the health kick. I mean, a guy's kind of like, I always like say I'm on the health kick, but just like kind of half-ass it. Okay, yeah. But for the last two weeks, um, I my lunch, I do a liquid lunch. Yeah. I don't eat breakfast, and then I have a shake, which is a, a protein and greens, mean greens. Yes. And so by the time I get to dinner, and then we try to eat healthy at dinner. So that's a long way of saying I've been waiting for these tendies. Bro, you need to have, okay, here's my, here's my theory about diets to me and amber have been doing the same kind of diet for several months now where during the week we don't eat processed foods or drink soda or anything like that we just we don't we skip breakfast we eat lunch and dinner and that's it we don't really snack or anything like that yeah and then on the weekends we go fucking litty bro dude if it's good for the rock it's good for us because that's what he does that's what he does yeah because you need to have some way to release you know Yeah, otherwise it's unsustainable. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what tendy. That's what tendy o'clock is about. But you have one day, one meal. Wait, wait. Do you drink diet dues all week long? Oh hell yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. 
that there's no sugar in there. It's that's true. Just that's true. That's other true. plenty of bad things. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Um, yeah. So I mean, and I don't. I'm not serious on the weekends for the most part either. So okay, cool. But, so that's kind of like your your right your cheat days. Yeah, but yeah. You're doing the right thing with the intermittent fasting, which is what I do too. So you have want to have a roughly 16 hours. Yeah. Of no food entering the system and so your body gets into burn calorie mode because there's no calories coming in and it goes to your storage yeah and so it goes to your that stuff around the the waist oh buddy you need to get rid of that yeah get rid of that you know i've always wondered if like if i like accidentally swallow some toothpaste does that like start the cycle and like fuck up my fast it probably just give you the shits okay because your stomach's like what is this there's nothing in here <laughs> <laughs> like i'm not like you know, like downing a whole toothpaste tube, you know, like, you know, like a little bit gets down there, maybe. Why? Why would you even think of doing that? I'm always just like, I don't, I don't think of doing it, but I'm just like, what? If I had like a cough drop, that would like fuck it up. You know what I mean? If there's sugar in the cough drop. Yes. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Or like a, a vitamin C like gummy or something like that. <laughs> I'm always thinking about like, what's going to ruin my fast right now? So I thought about toothpaste. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, if I drink all this liquid resin. Tonight will it uh, will it ruin my fast? Yeah, it'll ruin several other things as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyways, painting Nemesi. I'll start. Um, wait, why the fuck does that one fit? <laughs> oh, he doesn't really. Um, okay. You make it fit. One thing I've tried, very limited, and really don't see the point of. Honestly, maybe I should try it um, before I I shit on it a lot. Um, is uh. Two brush blending. Mm. I don't get it. Okay, I get it. Uh, but I feel like people who do it are lying to themselves. <laughs> so, okay, here's the idea. You have two brushes. One's for applying paint. John's farting. I can tell by the way he leans. <laughs> and smile. I look directly into your eyes and smile. <laughs> Just this dumb smile. Uh, <laughs> your stupid face. One's for applying paint and one's for smoothing paint so if i could like mimic it with uh this brush with this knife you have to keep one of them in your mouth right or you can do this so like you're you're yeah. you're painting with this paint Ooh, don't use this one you paint with this right and then maybe you like take it and then do the second one and then you, you feather it out and so the idea here is that if you had to compare it to wet blending, which is what kind of it compares to. It compares to feathering, but I guess that, it, yeah. it, it is yeah, yeah, feathering yeah. with two brushes instead of one. Sorry, you're right. It, it's it's more feathering. Um, basically, you're skipping the step of having to clean your brush mm -hmm. and, and, and thus saving time. Mm -hmm. But it's so much work to coordinate two brushes that it's like, is it is it really saving you anything? Because I can pretty quickly clean my brush and then get right back to it. Mm. I don't know. I've done it. So I, I I do feathering and I've done the two brush blending. And if you ever watch there's there's videos out there of Dallas Kemp doing it. Dallas Kemp is kind of the the person I consider the most famous for this technique. Yes, yes, that's the first person I think of. Um and one of the reasons why um I think anyway, I don't know if there's any truth behind this, the P three formula is the way it is is because of his style, the way he uses uh, two brush blending. Because he takes it straight out of the pot, he uses a stinking dry palette um, because the paint's oh. so thick. Um, and so he just places Man. it. And he holds the second the second brush, the damp brush, in his teeth. 
sideways like this. And so he has it. And then he drops the drops that brush, grabs that one and does it. He's so oh, fast at it. God. He's so fast at it. But here's why it's in the way I think it's better than just feathering yourself is that you have a consistent tool in the the feathering brush with no paint on it in the fact that it's completely clean and it's the dampness that you want it to be. Yeah, but like that's not the paintbrush dries out as it's sitting in your mouth. Like you make it sound like he's like trying to hit a very specific dampness quotient. Yeah. But like, <laughs> like, you know, over time it, it, it gets, it gets more, you know, it gets drier. And if he's using thick paint, thick paint does not dry fast at all. No, you've got plenty of time. Yeah. You've so got I, plenty of time. I even if see you it. to go back to your, you know, you don't want to, even if you're not saying, I don't want to put the paint in my mouth. No, you don't need to do that. Like, yeah. Rinse it. Rinse it. Paper towel. Dab it and do it yeah yeah i think yeah i don't know if there's a, a lot of benefit is that my tummy yeah oh no i was just laughing because like i feel like maybe we should like call up dallas and be like hey why is this better why do you do the things you do dallas <laughs> dallas i know you don't watch this but if you watch this please tell us we'll is, i mean because his stuff looks amazing really quick yeah and, and the way he can just take base coats and add all these interesting colors because of the way that feathering works. Um, I think it's I think it's awesome. But yeah, again, I don't. It's not really a nemesis, but it's something I scratch my head at too. Yeah, because I, 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 I did it like I, I did it quite a bit over a couple of models, and then I'm just kind of like, <laughs> I'm just gonna go back to eating the paint. <laughs> there is the the big thing there is if. It's more efficient to actually rinse your brush in the water cup and dab it off and then go back to it than it is to lick your your brush clean because it's very hard to get all the paint out of your brush before you start that. And if there's paint on there, it it screws up that feather. Yes. It does. So having to clean that's necessary. Yeah. So yeah, it makes it even more annoying sounding. Yeah. Okay, that's your first one. I am going to go one of my painting nemeses. And this is going to be a big one. And it's going to be one Scott's going to talk about too. I'm, I'm assuming he's going to jump on my back on this and go along the ride with me. And that is airbrushing in all its forms. Other than just doing the prime job, maybe Zenithal highlights, you know, maybe just getting the base color down if the model's mostly one color, if it's all blue. But doing anything more than that, and even sometimes doing that, the airbrush is my nemesis. He is so fickle, and he will clog if he feels like it. Just try as hard as I may. He may just sputter. There's two sides to this coin for me. Side one is the actual tool itself being a physical nemesis of mine. Now, a good airbrush... Um, can sometimes negate some of this, but it will never negate all of it. It will always it'll be, catch you in the end. It will always, yeah, it's a battle you'll you'll lose over time. You just got to take your small victories knowing you're going to lose the war. But it, it, even if it's just preventative maintenance side of it, even if it's like, well, if I do all these things and keep it clean, um, you know, I'll I'll be fine most of the time. But then it's all the time required to do those things 
and being timely in when you do them so the paint isn't dried in there while you are still finishing other parts of the project. Yeah. It's dried somewhere. Now I got to do a big thorough job, take the whole thing apart, whatever. And even if you do that and get efficient with it, it's still a nemesis. I don't have to do that much for my paints, my paintbrush, the models, whatever. Like that tool for all its benefits is just a asshole. <laughs> yeah, I agree. These two airbrushes that I'm holding right now, the Infinity and the HPCS um, from Iwata, are both unusable for the exact same reason. Um, and it happens to me all the time. And I, I'm going to explain it. And I would love it if anyone knew what was happening and I could stop doing it. But basically what happens is paint gets around the needle seal area, mm -hmm. which is so obviously you have your pot. And the needle seal is somewhere a little bit further back in like the main body of the airbrush. Mm -hmm. And it creates this like paint barrier where the, the, the needle is locked in place. Um, and when I pull the trigger back, uh, the needle doesn't move, even when it's tightened down on the, on the needle with the needle chuck. Um, sorry, the needle nut. And I don't know why that happens. Um, I thought it was because of I was doing back blowing. Oh, the backflow technique. I stopped doing that. It still happens. Yeah. Uh, the uh, some airbrushes have a little spring in there where you can uh, you can pull the needle mm -hmm. to tease the paint out of that area. I do that, so I'll put cleaner in the cup and then I'll tease it out and then I'll blow it and then I'll tease it. Um, I do a pretty thorough job of cleaning the internal of the airbrush and it always happens eventually. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I don't know how to clean this. How do you clean this? Cause like you can't really get like a wire brush in there. It's like, I want, I don't know. I don't know how to clean it. Yeah, you can clean the needle, right? Yes. But it's still, once you finally can pull that thing out, which yeah, always yeah, exactly. feels terrible. Like you're going to, yeah, you're going to bend it or bend something. Needle. Eventually you can get it out, but it's still caked on that actual, needle guard or seal in there exactly it keeps yeah the needle kind of right in line with where it needs to be yes and uh i for that i i think the only solution to that or if i had to guess what the solution is is you you just dunk the whole thing so you take the whole airbrush apart and that whole main body goes in alcohol yeah and hopefully that breaks it down because you like you said you as far as i know anyway I don't know a way to really access that to to get some abrasion on it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Maybe if everything is pulled apart and you have a long wire or you know, wire cleaner thing, you yeah. can get way in there. But that's yeah. There's so many little areas like that. That's an example of one of about nine areas <laughs> where something terrible can go wrong where paint gets dried where it doesn't want to. And that's why people always talk about Tamiya paints are the best paints in the world to airbrush with because they're alcohol-based. And they airbrush super smooth, they're super thin, yet still opaque. But you have so much more leeway in the cleaning side of things yeah. of just getting all that off of there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in the same boat as John here. The airbrush is definitely a nemesis. Um, and I heard you mention like just for like base coating and priming, and that's pretty much like all you want to do. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's things I like to do with it that I'm expanding on, and a lot of those deal with like filters. So putting contrast or ink through an airbrush to add color interest, because you don't have to be super precise with that to make an impact and have it still kind of look good. Yeah, and because it's such transparent color, it doesn't really screw with all the work you've done thus far to where you're you're worried that you're messing it up. Um, but like using it as a major tool throughout you know, 75% of the painting time of a model is just something I, it just doesn't feel like it's worth it to me. Yeah. Because I'm not good enough. I'm not saying it's not worth it and you shouldn't do it. Oh, right. Yeah. To me, it's just, it's such a hurdle. And then I also have to think about all the extra time I'm committing to myself by simply putting paint in that cup. Yeah. (laughs) And do I want to do it? I'll be lazy instead and do everything with the brush. Right. Like, obviously, Angel Geraldes, Andy Wardle, Kenny Boucher, like, they exist and they use the airbrush magnificently. Yeah. Um, so we're just kind of trying to figure it out still. But we're, we're in that stage where it's kind of just like, it's kind of a burden to use whenever you, because you got to deal with all that shit. And it's just like, oh, man, this sucks. And I've been using it for like three or four years at this point. I should have figured it out by now, but yeah. I still got problems. I say there's maybe one aspect of this that we don't think about that maybe is a hurdle for us to using it more. Maybe this is just me thinking this and overthinking this. I often won't use an airbrush when I'm doing a paint job for a video or I'll use it very sparingly in a video because a lot of people don't have one. Yeah. And a lot of people don't use one. So I feel every time I use an airbrush in a video, I feel bad and I feel like I should also share. Here's what you can do if you don't have an airbrush. Yeah. Here's how you could achieve this if you didn't have an airbrush. And to me, that's just kind of a subconscious back of my mind, extra baggage. And so I just choose sometimes just, I'm not not even going to go through all that process to worry about it. And I'm just going to do it all with the brush because I know everybody's got a brush. That's why you're here. (laughs) So, right. Do you yeah. ever do that? No, I'm over that, man. Oh, okay. People, okay. I I got over that the moment someone complained about me using an airbrush for priming. And it's like, if you don't have the mental capacity to realize you could replace my airbrush priming step with an aerosol priming step, I don't want you watching my videos. Because <laughs> you're going to say other dumb shit. Yes. So, yeah, I... I got over that. Um, that's, that's probably a smart approach. Pretty fast. But also, you know, at a certain point, you have a you have a catalog of videos that demonstrate a variety of techniques. Ah, good point. And also, I mean, you use oil paints. That's definitely a oh, barrier God, to yeah. certain got, people, right? I got a lot of people that don't like that, too. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I do feel that sometimes. Like, I, de- I rarely use an airbrush in a video, I don't know, beyond, like, doing some kind of very basic top-down blend on, like, the biggest part of the model. Right. So, like, the skin of, like, Orion, for instance. I, w- I didn't even do that for Orion, but, like, something like that I might I might do. Beyond that, I don't I do not do something like that that, like, like Angel might do or, like, uh, Andy might do or Kenny might do. Or our, our buddy Big Deno. Deno. Deno, oh, he's yeah. a master with the airbrush. Yes. I don't know what accent that was. It's not Deno. It was something. Oh, it wasn't Australian, though. Certainly wasn't Australian. That was closer. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. It's funny, too, because just the other day, I'm like, I sent you a random message. I'm like, hey, what airbrush does Angel Heraldus use? I'm going to buy it. Because <laughs> I watch his video and he's like, 
it's just like this tiniest little window. And he's like, boop, boop. You can see like the, the the final centimeter of it. Yeah, because I once again I fool myself into thinking it was the tool that allowed the angel <laughs> to do that thing. It was all in the tool, and I just don't have the right tool. If I had that tool, I could do it just like him. That's not true. Not true. I'm still gonna buy it. <laughs> I found it because he obviously I'm like I'm a moron. What, what is just, it? Is it the infinity? It's the yes, it's the Infinity like C R E X or something. Okay. He has it that in I don't know if it's in all of his videos, but in the video descriptions, yeah, he says my airbrush, yeah. So a link that goes to Harder and Steenbeck, which is weird too. When you try to buy from Harder and Steenbeck, have you ever done this on their website? No. He says buy here. You click it, goes boop, and it takes you to Amazon. <laughs> and it's just just like you searched Harder and Steenbeck is from Harder and Steenbeck's website from their official website. Oh, okay. That's weird. It really isn't that hard to create like a web store to sell stuff on. I wonder why they do that. I don't know. know. They're losing money to Amazon, man. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could double dip, still have your stuff out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then also do your own and make a couple more bucks. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. other airbrushing and why we hate it. (laughs) Other hobby nemesis. 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 I don't know if this is a nemesis so much, but I don't. I don't really get people who paint TMM. I'm going to get a lot of haters for this. In a display quality. Oh, in a display miniature? Yeah. Because to me, the whole point of TMM is that because the paint is reflective, it naturally has the correct volumes and highlights and shadows. And so when people take TMM... And they try to, not try to, they, they'll successfully do it to a degree. They try to put in highlights and shadows like they're painting with NMM. It kind of defeats the purpose to me of the point of the, of the, of the paint, of the material. Right. It's like if you're going to go through the trouble, you should use a, a paint that isn't going to fight you in, in multiple ways. It fights you because based on the angle that you're looking at that model... The highlight's going to shift around. Obviously, you can use matte paint for your shadows, and that reduces it some. But also, uh, TMM paint is glossy. It has a glossy finish. And blending on top of a glossy finish is fucking miserable. Yeah. So it's just like, why? It seems like it just seems counterintuitive. But Scott, you could just go over the whole metal or the whole mini with matte varnish, and then you would take away that glossy finish, right? <laughs> Yeah, you could. Then it wouldn't look like metal at all. <laughs> it looked like gray, like but like grainy gray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, obviously there are people in the world like Roman Gruba um, who do this really interesting, cool, cool stuff with TMM, and it looks really awesome. Um, and I, I think it looks awesome too. Uh, but like when I think about the goals of NMM, and I think about the, and I think about the material of TMM, they just seem to be at ends with each other. Hmm. And it's like we're kind of like ham-fisting this. We're kind of like sure. forcing something that doesn't need to be forced. Sure. Um, the comment that I've heard more and more lately is that people say they like TMM because if you look at NMM at a different angle, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Which is... Which is BS. BS. I, and I don't... If you think that or if you've heard that, that doesn't mean you're wrong or you're a bad person (laughs) no it does (laughs) i i would say what you need to do 
and this is not always this is not accessible for most of us, which is why we kind of would go down this road, is to hold a great painted NMM model in your hand, spin it around, and tell me if that's true. Here, I'll make it accessible. Go to Andy Wardle's Instagram. I'll link it in the description. I'll link a video in the description. Watch him rotate his Rogel Dorn mm -hmm. in his hand. It looks glorious from every single fucking angle. Yes. Because the the it's painted as if the light for the entire model was in a certain position. Yep. So you moving the model around doesn't change the direction of the light source. Yeah. Which is the opposite of TMM. When you change the model and spin it around, the light source changes with the shine in the room. Yeah. But the rest of your model was still painted with the highlights from a different angle. Yeah. So it becomes wonkier much quicker. Um that's not to say it's like, oh, I'm not knocking TMM. I use TMM all the time. Same, yeah. Um, but it's for different purposes. You can still make it look more realistic. And a lot of that is working with, you know, washes and stuff over the top to bring the shadows deeper. You're mostly just trying to get the shadows to be more matte and to look like it's got more depth. But there's so little you can do in building up of metallics on top of metallics to make any kind of impact. Yeah, they you really they really need to be very stark um, for it to really like read as as like dramatic as NMM can achieve much easier. But NMM yeah. is a whole nother animal. Yeah. So I will say that if you were to take Andy World's Rogaldorn and rotate it and look at the underside of it or the top of it, I think it would look weird. But keeping it at the same angle, I don't know how to describe this with words. So parallel to your eye. Yeah, without rotating the vertical axes, only rotating the horizontal one, that looks great. Um, whereas Team M would would be able to to do all of it if you if you flipped it on the vertical axes, look at the bottom and the top. The highlight would follow you everywhere. Sure. Yeah, the highlight's not supposed to follow you in a miniature. The highlight is supposed to represent where the light source is from. So you looking at it at a different angle. I mean, you need to take the light in your room out of the equation because that's yeah usually that's when you look it. at it um if you're doing a top-down lighting scheme it will go naturally because that's where the light in your room is coming from but oftentimes dramatic models are not painted in that style no you know so you have the other things that are in play here so looking at it at different angles does not make it look stupid i've never looked at a nmm painted model and i've held some awesome ones and looked at awesome ones and display cases and stuff and looked around and looked from above and stuff. I'm never like, oh gosh, it looks dumb when I look at it from here. Yeah, it's not, you're just kind of in, in awe of how awesome it is. And also, I think Ben Cantor is one who had that kind of controversial opinion where the product of you painting is not the model. It's the picture of the model, right. which has locked in angles. Now, obviously, that, that's a display painter point of view sure because obviously people who play games obviously just you're going to see the model in real life when you're playing games um but that's something to think about yeah from an artistic standpoint yeah that's pretty sweet i saw a picture ben comets posted recently and i think it's in a it's some kind of museum because he took a picture it was like from his phone in a museum and on the wall was a what looked like a painting with a big gold filigree rim all around it or frame that's what they're called paint frame <laughs> um and the painting was a picture of his miniature he had painted yeah and it was on the wall 
next to actual art that was oh that's cool 2d paintings was on facebook uh it was on instagram i think it might be on facebook too okay but i'll see if i can find it and it wasn't he didn't give a lot of description so some of this is me just kind of going with what i'm seeing and what i'm thinking is happening here but um really cool to think of it in that way that it is a work of art that can be the picture can be hung on the wall and be seen as such yeah because it was painted yeah i love this idea of like you walk into an art gallery and like there are these little offshoots and on each offshoot there's a podium with the display piece in the middle and then around the podium are like four pictures of this, like the various angles of the model. So you can see it blown up. And then right in front of you on the podium, you can see how it's smaller than the palm of your hand. Yeah. That'd be so cool. Yeah. I like that same idea, but slightly different. You go into the room and you only see all the amazing different pictures from different angles of this model. And then you go down this little hallway and then lit in a single light from above is is the model in a glass case and you get to see the connection not knowing at first yeah that it was a little thing yeah and then you get to go the reveal <laughs> 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 and they blare air horns yeah, through the speakers as soon as you open the door it's just like fucking confetti yeah, that's like... the inception sound <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's super bassy sound <laughs> And then it's a circle. Then then the, the hallway from that room leads you back to the first room. So you get to look at it with new eyes, knowing now what you didn't know before. It's only a one-time thing you get to have that experience, and then the other rooms aren't as dramatic. But whatever. Okay, yeah. It still works. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun house. Yeah. <laughs> you turn an art gallery into a fucking fun house. <laughs> All right. So we shit on airbrushes and TMM. What's next? <laughs> Is this turning into things we hate? <laughs> Kinda is. Have we already done that before? I think we have, but this is we're we're flipping it in a way that we hate them because they're our nemesis because we're not very good at them. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I will say that one thing that will not fall under the category for me of things that I dislike, but it just truly is a nemesis, and that is loaded brush. Loaded brush is I what I consider and I could be wrong, I'm probably wrong, is the most difficult technical, difficult technique in miniature painting. Even Ben Comets says, I don't get it right all the time. <laughs> I still screw it up. It's sometimes you have to redo it because it is such a finicky thing. The one it works, it is a thing of beauty. Yeah. And it's so hard to pull off. There was a time where I did loaded brush for a good amount of the model on every model I painted for probably six months. And I was still maybe kind of okay. at it. <laughs> um, and now and then I go back and I, and I do it. Um, and I, I want to do, I want to do a video on it um, because it's so, there's not a lot out there on it other than going to look, going back and watching painting Buddha videos, or if you like subscribe to Ben's Patreon, um, I'm sure he goes over it a lot there, but there's just not a lot out there. And there's not a lot out there because it's so freaking hard and even amazing painters don't use it. Yeah. And it's not because, oh, their amazing paint jobs would be even better if they did loaded brush. That's not necessarily true. It's just that they've painted a certain way and gotten really good in that way and uh, just don't want to feel like a pleb again by learning this thing. 
Dude, you know, with my recent kind of discovery of how how important it is for like the size of your highlight, you know, to actually like register as like if I'm paying something green, if I highlight it with yellow, like a off-white yellow, and I use too much off-white yellow, that green can start to look lime instead of green if I use too much highlight. But that, that that's true for like a for many different colors in many different ways. Like the amount of highlight you have is important to, to distinguish many things. If it's reflective or if it's matte, what its shape is, stuff like that. If I think about that and then I try to transcribe how much highlight paint I need in the tip of my brush to get that effect, dude, I'm having an aneurysm right now. That <laughs> yeah. sounds like so, that sounds so difficult to do. Yeah. Because they're yeah, it's difficult in two ways. One, the technical aspect of it of applying it and making it look the way you want is only the first one, and that's the one that most of us think of. Yeah. The yeah, second, yeah, yeah. the second and more important one is what my Ben is obviously a true artist is he really understands volumes and light. Mm. It's such in such a high level that he can do that in the moment in three seconds. And have it look the way it's supposed to look. Because most of us, we can get there over many layers, over looking at it, and well, maybe I'm going to glaze down the shadows a little bit more, or maybe I'm going to build up a little bit more, whatever, because we have more time to process and look at what each step has led to and where in my mind I want it to go. In this, you have to know... Who, Las Vegas is calling me. Las Vegas, I don't want to talk to you. Las Vegas, the city. Yeah, it just says Las Vegas. Um to be able to know exactly what you want it to look like and then do it in three seconds is just, and then you got to pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. The technique and the artistic know-how all wrapped up in one technique that you will surely fail even after doing it for six months. <laughs> yes. Yep. But when it, there is no, there is no more satisfying. Be careful now. <laughs> <laughs> there's no more satisfying feeling than, than doing a loaded brush that looks awesome. Though. No more satisfying feeling. In the miniature painting hobby. Okay. All right. Because you know it's hard. What about seeing a fully painted army that you painted? Nope. Seriously? Nope. I don't. I look at my nope. whole army. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> but when I paint one sword edge and I'm just like, swish, 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 swish. And it's like, perfect. What about the last <laughs> brush stroke on a totally finished army? The last brush stroke on a model that I'm going to put in the crystal brush case. That is more satisfying. Okay, okay, cool. But I probably use a bunch of loaded brush to get there. Ah! <laughs> like my um my death guard, you probably don't you don't need to remember this. I remember. My death guard, he has <laughs> his breastplate. <laughs> yeah, he's dabbing. Yeah. The dabbing death guard. <laughs> yeah. His breastplate, it goes from this like almost pure white down to that green. That was one loaded brush of just woof. With no adjustment on top. No adjustment. I, well, I, I did glaze. Stains, right? I did glaze down a little bit into the shadows to add a little bit of depth. And then obviously the after effects with the with the rust streaking and stuff. Yes. But just that smooth gradient woof, over a smooth surface is one loaded brush. Although there was four or five failures of loaded brush over that exact same part before I got it right, uh, it eventually got there. Okay. Okay. Do you have any other ones? 
I think another nemesis of mine, this will be the last one that I'll share, is uh, is matte paint. And we've kind of discussed this in a previous episode. How I'm kind of thinking about trying to use more Vallejo and less scale 75. Because you really got to fight matte paint to like look good. Um, it's unforgiving of your mistakes. Yes. Um, that being said, I feel like the best painted results come from painters that use matte paint. And maybe, obviously, it's probably like a mixture of matte and satin paint in their paint jobs. But I don't know. Whenever you see someone paint something really glorious and they say what paint range they use, it's like always a matte paint range. The one I'm thinking of right now is Michael Pisarski. Mm. Like that. Did you see that Golden Boy painted recently? Yeah, I saw it. Like that's Chimera paint, apparently. Um, and it looks absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, like matte paint, you really got to fight. When it comes to blending, when it comes to saturation of color, um, it's just, it's so easy to get a chalky effect, especially with light colors, mm-hmm. if the finish is matte. You just gotta really, you gotta nurse it like twice as hard as a satin range. Well, you just gotta do what Pisarski does and use the st- tiniest brush on the face of the planet and you make little scratches <laughs> over everything a thousand times. <laughs> That's only what he did for one style of NMM. I mean, he does. That's that's how he creates all his volumes in such big ways. Is he he doesn't just blend. There's built up of layers, and then it's filters over the top. How do you know that? He doesn't have any content about how he paints on the uh, internet. I, I know how he paints. I talk to him. Do you? Maybe I talk to him. Okay. All right. So yeah, he's he doesn't do, and that's why I think why it works out so well for him is that. He is such a laborious painter. He has got the patience of a bull. <laughs> what? You know, I, I feel like a bull is a very impatient creature. Yeah, he can just sit in that field for days. Okay, okay. I, I until see he sees that red scarf. Until he goes in a rodeo. <laughs> and then you are screwed. Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, not that matte paint you can't blend. I'm saying, I mean, but it's the reason why I think it's it shows itself so well is because it photographs so well Yeah, because it yeah. doesn't fight the light. It, it's more forgiving of the light of your photography. Yeah, definitely. Because it, it just shows you what, you know, you know, what the paint is actually looking like without outside reflections. Yeah. And then people are like, Oh, Michael, can you take a picture of that in like a real setting? And he's like, sure. looks exactly, exactly the same. same. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yep. <laughs> that, yeah. That's matte paint for you. Yeah. So, it's a. It, this is really a, a good example of a nemesis in that it's not something we dislike. It's not yeah. something that is bad. We're not something we're knocking on. It is just a. It is a more unforgiving. It's harder to to get really good blends with that. Now the good thing with Chimera is Chimera is pretty thick and doesn't use that weird gel based stuff like Scale seventy five. It just does not mix on the model for shit. <laughs> You ever tried wet blending with scale 75? All the time. Dude, it's not good. I mean, it, they, when they mix together, they just kind of like, it's like a little swirly thing. It's like, no, mix. Don't just swirl amongst each other, you jerks. I feel like I've gotten it to work pretty reliably. Maybe it depends on the colors. Um, question for you. Is your black chimera paint like way more liquidy than your other paints? I think well, I've, I've asked you something. Yeah, in general, mine were super liquidy compared to what i saw other people use mine are thick and then i got 
the Vortex mixer and I mixed the crap out of them. I think mine must have just settled. Okay. Because they came out the same consistency of like a regular Vallejo paint, which was, or even like Pro Acryl, which is pretty thin. And I was yeah. just like, and they still worked fine and I didn't have any problems with them. In fact, they didn't seem as matte either. So I wondered if that was what was settled with the pigments in the bottom or whatever. Yeah. Now they're thicker, except the black. The black is, uh, is oh. noticeably thinner. It's not thin. But it's not as thick as all the others. Yeah, like the other ones come out in like little, like soft diarrheas. Yes, and then the black comes out. It's like you know, it's closer to pee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I but... could use the uh, bodily fluid scale, <laughs> it's it's kind of blood, really. Yeah, you know, yeah. But that's not as funny as pee. <laughs> <laughs> all right, those are our painting nemeses. What are yours? What are yours? Let us know in the comment section below if you're watching us on YouTube. If you're an audio listener, pop over to the Facebook group, let us know. Or you can go in the, the comment section of the video as well. Any place is fine. Any place is the place to be for the Newsy News segment. Oh, there it <laughs> The system is well, sound. <laughs> I tried to do like the news update sound, but it just came oh. out like techno. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. <laughs> no, I, I hear it now. Like, like, yeah. like the radio. Like, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. You, okay. You can stop now. Uh, okay. So for... For... Uh, for sure. For the news. What we got in the news today, Scotty? Okay. Uh, one that I can remember is obviously a Warhammer Quest coming back. We had Silver Tower, I think, was the last one. Now we got like, what was it? Oh, is it like Ulfin something? I don't remember what it's called. Oh, shit. Ulfin. It's like some kind of thing. It's So what it is, is it's a bunch of like holy men. Are holy like, diver. Exactly. A little bit of Dio. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's. Like witch hunters, I presume we'll see like priests and like paladins and stuff like that are in some kind of empire-esque city where the main like governor or leader is probably like a vampire. And so like the whole city has like roots of like evil in it. And I'm going to guess in this game, you got to kind of purge the evil as the bad guys or as the good guys. Sorry. So we've seen a witch hunter model. Mm -hmm. We've seen a dope ass grave digger model. Yes. And we've now seen very recently, as of recording this video, some sexy AF skeletons. Those three skellies. I want every skeleton to look like those skeletons. <laughs> they are so cool. Between them and the Warhammer Underworlds band, and you can see the kind of evolution of skeletons, the way that Games Workshop is going. God damn. There's I just want to play the bad games. I, bad guys. I, I know. I don't want to play these chumps. I know. So here's the thing. There's this game called The Village Attacks. You played it with me on my birthday one day. Oh. Where you get to play as the bad guy yeah. and the villagers are the NPCs that are invading your evil lair. And yeah. that was such a cool reversal of roles. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that, that idea. I want every game to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just want to play the bad guys. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, what else did you want to say about I, though? I think it's coming out fairly soon, like March, Ooh. March or April, because they're really pushing. I think they want it in the queue before end of fiscal year, of their fiscal year. Okay, which would be awesome. Yeah, because yeah, uh, we're definitely gonna play that. Oh yeah, I'm buying the shit out of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I, I already convinced my daughter to play a campaign with me. Of that game? Of that game. Wait, there's a campaign for it? It's not a one-off thing? No, no. It's like a, it's got, it's got a campaign. Does, it, does Silver Tower have yes. a... Oh. 
Yep. It's got I actually just saw the book. Speaking of Blair at D&D last week, Blair bought a copy of Silver Tower because of the hype of this game and he brought over the rule book and oh. there is like this mission you do this or this you do this or this you do this. Okay. I think that's what I looked like when I was reading it. I was also playing D&D, but Okay. Um but yeah, but we're definitely going to be playing that so then I can uh you know justify that to the wife. <laughs> I'm so sick of playing Massive Darkness. We that's what my daughter wants to play all the time and so this will be a a fun different game to okay play. that's kind of cool that you play with your daughter how often do you play like once a week or uh, yeah typically it's once a week sometimes when she's getting into it we wants to play every day um <laughs> back when we when last spring when we uh she had to do all the school from home all the time we played a lot because she'd get bored in the day and get all her work done and be like well, let's go play the game but now she plays the same character every time because um, there's like 20 characters you can play, but she plays the same one, and she, she always goes bows. She plays a rogue, uh, like a shadow stalker, and in it, the shadow stalker is meant to go with dual wielding knives, but then you also pick a sheet, which is like your subclass, and she picks the ranger sheet, and so she's stealthy with the bow, and she's all about that. So I always have to play a dude that's going to take the hits so she doesn't get murdered. <laughs> okay. So I just run in there and try not to die and then she shoots all this stuff. But yeah, so this will be fun. Although I don't know if there's any of those characters. She'll probably play the witch hunter because it's the coolest looking dude. But there's like eight <laughs> heroes in that box. Wow. There's eight. Yeah. So it's going to be some cool options. Yes. I hope so. All right. Other thing in the newsy news today is we recently learned that Banshee is moving away from Patreon to his own website. Um, um, probably because he's sick of Patreon taking all his money. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, I brought it up in my Discord, and other people mentioned that for the kind of content that he was making, uh, like unlisted videos on YouTube, uh, like wasn't like wasn't helpful for like his audience. Like there are certain features missing from the platform. That he was able to get via making his own website. Okay, that's um, cool. Obviously, the the cost of it though is that the the site at the moment was a little bit confusing to traverse. Right. So what I was confused about initially was that, um, he has two new people on board, uh, uh namely Roman Lapot mm-hmm. and um another Spanish fellow whose name escapes me at the moment. Doesn't he have Mark Musclon in there? Um, I don't think so. So he has Basilisk or Chromatic Circle originally. That was from Patreon himself, uh, Alfonso. Um, and then he has Roman and then a fourth guy. I can't remember his name. It's killing me right now. Um, but so it's like, okay, so they're, they're all going to be presenters in this thing. And then on the main site where you go and like buy the content, there are four tiers. And so it's like a Banshee painting one. And then a banshee painting and sculpting one, and then there's two other ones that are for his other original partner, uh, Chromatic Circle is his name on Instagram. I can't remember his real name, but he has an, he has another similar kind of two tier thing. So it's like it's like if I want to watch Roman videos or Roman content, how, how do I pay for that? David Aroba. Ah, Aroba. Yes. Um. So, um, I mean, admittedly, I looked at it for like two minutes, so I I didn't really like research hard but it, there was kind of like a, a lot of content and info on the site to kind of like uh piece together yeah it um it, because he's got 
a, a fairly complex system in place of how he's offering content yeah. for the consumer. Yeah. It's it's kind of overwhelming um, when you just kind of scroll through and there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I can totally see why, be, based on the kinds of things that he's offering, how Patreon might be just too brittle of a system to really benefit yeah. the way he wants to do things. That's a great way to describe Patreon. <laughs> it's brittle. Um, and I'll say that I have some patrons who are invested in this new thing and they think it's great. Awesome. Um, so what he's doing is awesome. I think to me, the biggest takeaway of this is one, I wish him all the success. I hope this works out well. Absolutely. Not only for him and, you know, and for Basilisk and for Aroba, but for knocking down a wall for miniature artists in looking at other options for them to have a career, a successful career. So if you don't feel now that you're totally strapped to Patreon, that if without Patreon, I, I couldn't exist, I couldn't do this. Mm-hmm. Now we have an example of someone that's saying, I'm not going to be chained to that. And I'm going to find a way to make the best thing that I want to make the, the way that I want to be in control of. So I think it's great. And I think it will open uh, more doors for others to be creative in, in that regard. Yeah. It's actually, yeah, the way you put that, it makes it sound almost revolutionary. Yeah, I um, mean... In a way. Duncan did it. Duncan did it, yes. But I think what what Banshee is offering is a lot different than what Duncan is offering. Oh, in terms of content, yeah, big time. Um, uh, the other guy's name was David Basilisk. His last name was Basilisk. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> I wonder if he was born with that. I wonder if he's definitely, he's definitely Slytherin for sure, right? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, well, it's just well, funny. I bet of Deathly Hallows, what house are you? I'm a Slytherin. Hey, Slytherin boys. <laughs> um, yeah, that's no question. It was like, it was like oh, I'll go through the formalities. But I already know. And it was just like 104% Slytherin. <laughs> Slytherin. <laughs> it just like cracked my phone screen when the yeah. thing was done. <laughs> Black ooze came up. Yeah, just a little bit of fucking steam came up. <laughs> um I just pictured it so funny. And he says, I wonder if his real name, or I said, I wonder if his real name is Basilisk. Like, I just picture like him and him and Banshee just like sitting in a pub, drinking beers. And they're like, hey, we should come up with sweet nicknames for each other. And you're like, let's go with the letter B because we're drinking beer. <laughs> All right. You're a Banshee. You're a Basilisk. All right. Done. Done. Sign, seal, and deliver. Yeah, that was a pretty productive work meeting. <laughs> They have work meetings in the pub. Beer. Yeah. That sounds like the fucking That's life, you, dude. When you own your own business, you can do that. Absolutely. And it's a tax write-off. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just like tennis is a tax write-off. Yes, it is. Absolutely. All right. That's a work so, meeting. That, you know, we had kind of just two things for news. And I, I know that there was other things. And I was just forgetting to write them down when I thought of them on this last fortnight. Um, so if there's other important news things that you think we need to be aware of, you know, put those in the comments as well. Also, an unused feature of our community is that you can email news at trappedunderplastic.com with anything you think is newsworthy. Oh. Um, so you can help us do our job better. <laughs> but if you miss anything, uh, let us know. Because like uh, John and I, as you guys have probably ascertained from our content, are kind of tapped into GW a lot and not tapped into so many other things so much. Um, and obviously we'd like to be tapped into all of it because uh, we like all of miniature painting for the most part. 
So let us know if you miss anything, and you can email us there, and we'll probably see it more likely than if you were to comment about it. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, if there's something you want to, you're, you're getting hyped about or you just heard about, you know, sometimes it's overwhelming in the world of like miniature Kickstarters and miniature, yeah. uh, you know, resin printing STL file companies and stuff like that. Yeah. That can be overwhelming. And we, we also don't want to be like, well, we talked about Cobra Mode Miniatures who makes STL files, but we didn't talk about the 50,000 other ones that have been have a Patreon for this and oh. stuff. And you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, we, we want to be inclusive. We don't want to, you know, not share anything in everything because we don't want this to be 70 hours long and it would, you'd get bored and turn it off. Yeah. But, um, but there's a lot of good stuff like new games that are coming out or new updates of editions or, you know, anything like that. We're new model ranges. We're, we're all for it. Love that. Yeah. Um, I, okay, we'll add one thing about in that vein of like Patreon, Kickstarter campaigns. I follow this guy on Instagram called Baron underscore artwork. He's an amazing sculptor. I'll show you his, here is his, um, oh my God, I cannot remember this. What elf? Elf. Is it Lord of the Rings? Thranduil. Oh, sorry. Oh, I, yeah. thought was, I thought it was the dude from Lord of the Rings movie. It, it is him. Yeah. Okay. Um, he, he is, he painted, he sculpted this thing. He, he's a phenomenal sculptor. Whoa. And he recently came out with a thing called Baron Sculpting Academy. It's a 20-hour comprehensive course from start to finish. And it's on Patreon, which means that it's cheap. It's $20, $10? Five euros monthly. Uh, two hours released every single week. Um, so if you're looking to sculpt, this guy is a phenomenal sculptor. Um, check him out at patreon.com slash Baron Artwork. Baron spelled with an E. Um, obviously, we'll link it in the description below. But I'm, I'm, I'm currently working with this guy for a little bit of a collaboration. And I saw that and I was like, that is highway robbery <laughs> for a digital course like that. Um, so yeah, check that out. Cool. That's really cool. Yeah. His, I saw that uh, Joan of Arc one. And I was like, oh, that looks familiar. Oh, that's right. I saw Pisarski is painting that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Which also looks phenomenal. Yeah, he showed a... Quote, oh yeah whip quote yeah i sent you a little steamy message about that one i just uh took that picture and i'm like hey scott look at pasarski's new whip <laughs> and the whip is a masterfully painted 99.4 percent completed model michael if you listen to this i know you don't i want to see a real whip from you son I yeah. want to see it when it looks ugly. Yeah. I've never seen a non-ugly miniature of yours. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I want to take, take a picture two hours in. Yeah. Show me a two. <laughs> He's going to paint like like a... like a, a One mil- little thing. Yeah, one t- like, like a button in the, there. To completion. In. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the end of the podcast. We're going to the after party is over. Now we're back to the podcast. I always want to talk in a Southern accent, but I just feel like I'm, I don't want to be like, I'm making fun of people that live in the South, but it is an enjoyable accent to attempt. Yeah. I mean, I, you can, you can, Southern people can do a Minnesota accent. And I won't be mad. Yeah. So if I say that, that means that I can do theirs and they can't get mad. I know. I just feel like Southerners get the shaft all the time, you know? No. no. I, it's like, going to talk like that. Like, no Minnesotans time. don't get the shaft, really, ever. Well, sometimes they do. Like Everyone knows. The, oh, don't you know? Like, yeah. fucking whatever. Anyways, welcome to the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. We appreciate your ears. We appreciate it. <laughs> I just I just like talking like Jeff Foxworthy when his voice goes up an octave. Yeah. Here's your dang sign, son. Who is that? That's Jeff Foxworthy. Is he a comedian? Yes, he's a stand-up comedian. He's funny on a blue-collar comedy tour. Oh, okay, okay, okay. 
He came up with the... Uh, Here's your sign! No. Yes, he did. Didn't he... He has a quote that's like really like like memorable screw this um uh if you like the podcast and you want to support it there are many ways that you can do it uh you can support us without your dollars by sharing our podcast with other nerd people such as yourself yeah put it on a floppy disk and hand it to people on the street each episode probably needs maybe like a stack of 35 floppy disks yeah yeah, what like uh, what's on a disc? Like five megabytes of space? Who knows? Getting sidetracked yet again. <laughs> um, you can also give us reviews on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Preferably a positive review. <laughs> but if that's not true, then just say what your heart feels. Yeah, go with that. If you want to give us your dollars, which I don't know why you would want to. Um, no, I'm just kidding. We have a Patreon <laughs> campaign where you get access to an extended version of the podcast wherein we chat about things like new hobby things we've tried, like 3D printing or kit bashing and converting. Uh, we talk about uh, paint jobs from other painters that we admire and why we admire those jobs. And we also give feedback to one of our patrons live in an episode. So obviously as part of a patron, you get to give us your models for feedback. Lastly, you can also give us topics for us to discuss. Yes. Stew, not stew. Basically, that's stew, a.k.a. stew, a.k.a. stew, because we can't say stew the same way twice, so he's running with that. That's stew. Stew, the madman stew. Stew, thank you for the topic. We appreciate it. Um, Also, you can buy merch from us on our Teespring all that stuff is linked in the show notes below or the description, depending on if you're an audio listener or a video listener. Video listener. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for us. We'll catch you on the... Liberty Front! <laughs>